You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Raise your hand if you have listened to any of the Upper Room Fellowship Shine podcasts. You do good. Oh my gosh. Are you like me? I end up crying every single week because I'm like, I love these people. All the people in our fellowship are precious and beautiful. And I am so grateful for Beth and Kate's vision to connect us. This vision was born out of the year of um, shutdown. And it's like, how can we get to know each other when everybody's like separated and have to stay six feet apart? And they had this brilliant idea to let's have a podcast and let's interview people. And it has been so beautiful. I cannot wait for it to come out on Monday. Usually waiting on Monday morning. And I'm sometimes waiting for it to come. It is life-giving and it is wonderful. And if you were part here, uh, I encourage you, if you haven't listened, you need to listen every single week. It's so beautiful. And so we have an amazing treat today. They are going to do a live interview and we get to see kind of behind the scenes what we listen to. And so this is going to be so much fun. So welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. <laughs> wow. Are we ready for this? Welcome. We are here with Mel. Melanie, it's so good. So nice to have you back. Oh, hi. If you haven't listened, Melanie was on our month of love, and she was talking about divorce, and she said we were cruel because we <laughs> called it the love boat session. <laughs> saying the love boat. But she was on, and she was fabulous. So if you know someone or if you've experienced divorce, that is a great podcast to listen to because she shares a lot of wealth and it was awesome. So we're happy to have you back here. We're talking about healthy relationships and how we can thrive in a healthy community. But I thought we should tell people how we became friends. Well, I've known Mel since we were in high school. We're like a year apart. She went to Crestview. I went to Columbiana and she was at the upper room the same time I was. She ran around with Melinda Hamilton and she accuses me of not liking her because our paths never crossed. She was friends with my sister. She was friends with my younger sister. She was, and I don't know where I was. I said I was in college away. I don't know. But about misunderstanding. Yes. <laughs> Did we talk about that? Were you offended? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> About, I don't know, five years ago, I decided I needed to go walking in the morning early because I just can't get that fit into the end of my day after work and dinner and sports and all that stuff. So I'm like, I need a walking partner for six o'clock. And I asked all my friends and family if they would be my walking partner at 6 a.m. And they all said, no, 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 I no. Not. Kate was like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'm like, I got to have a partner because I don't trust myself to just go do it by myself. And then one day, Melanie Good popped into the upper room and I saw her and the Holy Spirit said, ask her if she wants to walk at 6 (laughs) a.m. You know, coffee time, when we had our coffee time out time, I went over there and I said, hey, I knew she had just moved into town. Are you an early bird? You want to walk with me at 6 a.m.? That's how you make friends, (laughs) Jaden. Hi, I'm Beth. 
What's your name? She said, I might have said, sure, I'll walk with you. I'm not looking for any friends. And I said, I don't care. I just need somebody to walk with me at 6 a.m. Because I wasn't interested in friendship either. (laughs) Not because I don't like people, but um, we had both just been through hard relationships and wasn't necessarily looking for that. I just needed a 6 a.m. walking partner. And um, she said yes. And four and a half years later, she said, well, maybe I'll be your friend. (laughs) So we go walking early in the morning with Pooter and Winston, who are her furry dogs. I'm grateful it gets me out of bed in the morning. And it gives me, when it's 37 degrees, I know she's waiting for me, so I better get there. Uh, We are talking about thriving and how being in healthy communities is a part of that. And so I asked Melanie to come because it's a brainchild idea of mine that I want to have a spinoff of the Shine podcast where we're not just interviewing people. We're going to keep doing that until you guys say no. Mel has a wealth of information. She's got a master's degree in social work. She's a licensed independent social worker. She's worked as a social worker since 1995. That was a long time ago. She's been counseling since 2011. She specializes in faith-integrated counseling of families and couples. She's also the clinic director at Psych Care in Austintown, and she has her own counseling practice herself that is meets at a church. So she's a walking encyclopedia, and I said, we need to have you on for like monthly topics because she is so wise, and so we're glad to have her here. She's got three adult children, two furry puppies. One of them is a toddler and behaves that way. And she's a lot of fun. She has a car called Betty White, and she takes Jada and I to ice cream and <laughs> to go look at sunsets. So she's, she's a great person, and we're so happy you're here mm-hmm. to share your wealth of information with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. So we'll start officially. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. I'm Lizzie. Oh, I'm, I'm Katie. We are here with the beautiful, <laughs> lovely Melanie Good talking Yay. about healthy communities today. Yay. I feel like this is a pop quiz and I don't really like tests. You're the teacher. Right. So why are we talking about this topic of healthy community and how it has to do with recovery and thriving and growing? Oh, you're saying why? Yeah. I mean, you guys know I'll be very real because you, on those walks, worked me down. <laughs> <laughs> By continually saying, so you're going to do it, right? Yep. So for healing and recovery and growth, I don't think that any of that recovery or growth or healing can occur outside of community, outside Mm. of relationship fully. Actually, not even really at all. And that's just God's design for humanity. And I was talking with you guys before, just letting you know through our talking points, you know, some of the background of this. And Henry Cloud writes in his book, How People Grow, which is a really great book if you guys want to look at biblical and I don't want to use the word psychological, but emotional growth. But he talks about how he always thought that plan A was supernatural zapping and then plan B if plan A didn't work would be you know maybe through God's people you'll help me heal and grow and he went through his process of having to heal and grow and come out of a depression and stuff too when he was young and going to school and he realized that God's plan B is actually God's plan A (laughs) that through people God speaks God touches God comforts God does his work and I find it true Mm -hmm. in my work and in my life 
So we, we, need we can't stay at home. It's not good for us to stay at home alone in our bedrooms and isolate. I mean, it can be okay <laughs> if you need time alone. But if you want to really heal and grow, you're going to need to get into community. I think like we are made for it relationally. Even if you look at children, babies, if there's tons and tons of research you can do if you ever felt inclined to do so. But if you take a baby and just put it in a car seat in the room and sort of neglect it and don't do a lot more and maybe feed it occasionally and all of that. But this is what happens in abused children, neglected children. The brain will literally not develop properly just from not having the face-to-face interaction, just from not speaking to the baby, just from not interacting with the baby. The the baby will actually have brain damage. And that's how important just having this face-to-face interaction is for a newborn baby to have brain development so you can see how much social interaction and community is important to us Mm -hmm. to live and to thrive. So if you want to get well, or you want to do well, or you want to heal, or you want to grow, probably staying in your room is not going to make that happen now. But we're allowed to for a minute. You're allowed to go there, yes, for a minute and for sure. Why do you think people do that when they're struggling, like isolate? I think that people isolate out of shame. I think people isolate out of shame a lot. People isolate out of depression because depression wants to um, withdraw away. It wants to be away from people. Why do you guys so isolate ever? Because the, and why do you guys isolate? Because I think it could be different for everybody, the why. Why is it so easy to do the wrong thing? <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, yes, isolate. And it's so easy to do it. And it's always so much more difficult to seek out and find somebody else. Yes, I mean, I know it's necessary, but I'm like, man, that's so hard. It's so much easier to go in your hole. Why is that? Let me ask Um, you. Why is it easier? Well, I mean, because it probably is connected to, if you're alone, you can isolate not only from people, but from the fear of, of those things attaching to the situation that you're already depressed about or... I don't think we want people to know we're a hot mess. It's why like I'm gonna I'm gonna go in my closet till I am a cold drink of water, and then mm-hmm. I will come back out and emerge from the world, and all is well. And then I come back, and people are five years older than when I left them. <laughs> and and are you better? And are you a cold drink of water? Probably not. <laughs> So what's your advice for friends of people who are isolating? Because, you know, you know, I'm like, we have people in our lives, like, they're like, that's my go-to thing, I isolate. Like, it's excusable. But how long should we let people isolate and how should we reach out or... Do we reach out or do we just wait for them to come out? I think that's a great question because you're talking about who has responsibility for what part in this. And I think that it's wonderful, great, as you guys know, even as being friends to say, hey, I'm here, you know, like you're sending that text, you make that phone call, but it's not going to be your responsibility and you're going to be completely ineffective to like make someone do anything. So the conversation we're having really is more about us taking responsibility individually and understanding what creates health and growth inside of me. So everybody here learning this When something happens, whether it's a depression, a life crisis, a behavior that we're not happy about, that we're ashamed of, any of the things that we could just have people throw out, there's a path to healing and growth. If we want to get through this pain, we're going to have to get on that path. 
And so we can talk, you know, like personally, I don't mind about different trials we've gone through, but this is easy. You know, like I have workaholism, <laughs> if you know me, and uh, you have it too. And um, Liar! <laughs> so getting on a path, I don't know what path you're on, but for me, getting on a path of growth and healing to be my best self and not to be sick. You remember when I instituted the um, committee, of which you guys are still there, and I bucked the system. And on purpose, I know I'm going to buck the system. That's who I am. So I don't want you guys to think that, oh, on the path of growth, there's no, you know, this is very easy to get on the path, and everything is great. No, I got some very strong women because I'm strong. Tell them what the committee is. Yeah, I have a committee. I'm get, Yeah, the committee is I submit myself, and that's my part of being on the path, but then they get beat up a little because I submit myself to the committee I set up a new schedule for myself, including the Google Calendar with big red no's, and it goes off every single day at the end of my workday and tells me no with a big red, don't schedule anything here that's called work or anything like that. And if I go to violate that, I have to call the committee and justify myself, which I do. So I have three women in my committee, okay. and I have to tell them, I'm going to schedule some work in here, and here's why I should do it. And I've gone through this a couple times. Here's why I should do it, and here's why it will benefit me and the community and the people and building the practice, and I should do this. This is definitely something I should do. And I figured out that I'm not mentally ill right now, and I'm doing okay, and like everything's taken care of, and the yard is mowed, and Betty White is washed. I should do it. And what's the committee say? Yeah, what do you all say every time? <laughs> no. And then I say, I'm, you know I'm going to do what I want, right? <laughs> right, don't I? And I say, but I called. <laughs> but you did call? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. And then what usually happens after that, like a week afterwards, mm, yeah. she starts... Feeling it. Yeah, I'm feeling. Like, now I'm mentally ill. <laughs> Benny's not washed and the yard's not done and the house is dirty, right? The dogs are making my house a mess. Oh, I can't take it. Right. But th- that's because you said yes to what I was supposed to mm. say. No. Mm. So that's just an easy way to talk about submitting yourself. I think she comes around sooner, though, because we're challenging her on that mm-hmm. and say, do you really need to do that? Was it necessary? Why are you bending over backwards? when your mental health is going to be affected by it because she can she's a workhorse she's amazing but for one week it's okay because you can all we can all just power through for a week but the second week or the third week it starts to deteriorate and that anxiety starts popping up where I'm not getting things done I'm behind on things and then she's like and then that's when the committee calls her and says, well, where can you put some X's on your schedule? Oh, I hate it when you guys do that. I hate that so much. I think ideally, that's a very wise thing you've done. That's what we would do and should do when we're faced with an issue to go out and find your people. But more commonly, would you say that that's not the practice of people? I mean, we're just saying that normally we go into isolation and you're not looking to find people. Right. So I I just wanted to throw this out. I feel like personally, there have been quite a few times in my life where I've been saved by people that I wasn't trying to call, wasn't trying to contact, and I'm sitting in my hole who have come and pulled me out because they did more than just the text like, hey, how are you? 
I think that we do that and that's very nice and thoughtful, but there's something about relationships or those people that might be in your committee that will take that extra step to really get in to the edge of the pit to help you. Yeah. And I want to say to that, that the, that's the importance of this whole thing. We're talking about community. So you guys have the larger community, the church mm. here, like say this is a community. But we can't have that expectation of all 50 people here in this room. And that's where people's expectations and even their own work inside of their own journey goes askew, is putting all the responsibility on the 50 people to be watching me. Mm -hmm. And the little bit of the change is, yeah, that's happening, but the whole 50 isn't watching me. But for me, just using this story... Those three are. And so I guess what I meant by that text was like, Beth is so annoying when I want to be in that spot and I just want to be left alone. Yes. And I I know it's bad for me, but I want to be left alone like you when you were sick and I was bugging you. It was like that because after you got better, I just left you alone. (laughs) But... But it's true, right? That there has to be really for growth, you guys, for these things, your whole 50 people aren't going to know this stuff about you. That would be weird. But you do need some people right in there that are going to come drag you out because when we're that bad, we can't do what we need to do. That's Mm -hmm. true. And it was really out of a bad season like that, like a meltdown for me that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I know this has to be done. And, you know, like, I got to put this back together. And it was out of a bad season like that that I really learned to practice what I teach and how much relationships. Well, I guess I got to practice what I teach because it was in that bad season, too, like right before I put the big red nose in the schedule and all of that and submitted myself to these annoying people telling me not to do stuff. I knew I couldn't be alone, not because I couldn't be alone, like I was sick and like being alone was not a good idea because I was doing everything to come out of that sickness. So I would go, I would call up, I had this little group of friends plus my mom and I would call them up and this sounds funny, but it wasn't funny at the time at all. Mm. But I would be like, you're going to be my babysitter tonight after four, right? And they would say, yes, these people. And I would go be babysat until it was close to like bedtime, eight o'clock or whatever, when I was cool. And I could go back home and I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving now. And I went to your house several times. I just knew because of my training that that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Had I not had this training, I don't know what would happen in that period of time. And, and I could really see what happens, you know, like with my clients when they don't have the support system. It's not good. So not good as in not healthy, as in dangerous even. Yeah. So I encourage you guys that building up these supports and community can also save your life, can yeah. save you mentally, emotionally, physically. There's just so many things that can happen in life that we need something outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. 100%. We're made to get a lot of things from outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about what kind of characteristics we're looking for for committee people in your life. Because like Mel said, you shouldn't be like broadcasting to everyone everything. I think there's wisdom in being prudent with who you're, Elisa talked about this, intimate friendships you share your secrets with. So, But what kind of characteristics are we looking for in people that we know that they're trustworthy or that we can see in ourselves that makes us a person that would be chosen to be on a committee for somebody? Yeah, this is going to bounce into boundaries for just a minute because to to me and how I teach this is we have circles and we have different circles for different things. So your ministry circle or people that are in your ministry circle, so it's where my energy is going out, I'm not going to have in my committee circle. So that's for you, that would be like your client's. 
For or, me, it's all it's my work circle. For ministry circle or for me, work circle, because of what I do, that's my energy is going out. And so I can't have the expectation if I'm going to have good boundaries that something's coming back into me. And I, this is so important, and it gets hard in the church too, because we're doing some ministry and we're doing some friendship and we're doing some of this and that. But it, you have to have a lot of wisdom here mm-hmm. in establishing your life. Your accountability, your mentorship, the people that are going to do what we're talking about need to be in your inner circle circle, the ones where you're going to receive and give. It's interdependent. It's back and forth. You're going to get about equal amounts of giving and taking. And I think that that's the circle that we're talking about when you guys are establishing your community is, are you in any relationships where it's equal, where you're being as vulnerable as you're expecting someone else to be to you? So I think that that's what I would say would be that community of people is do you have that reciprocity? I think behooves you to have people that prove in their character that they can be a vault, meaning that if I do put my secrets into you, that they stay with you. That, I think, would make you all feel better if those people were in your vault or in your circle. And if you um, meet people that aren't, no problem as far as like, oh, they're bad people. It's not that. It's just everybody's at a different journey of maturity. And so if one can't keep your stuff to themselves, just don't put them in that circle. So you have your inner circle circle and your ministry circle, and then you have all the other people in your world, you know, your neighborhood people, people that you know, people at the school. They're all people we're kind to, kind to all people. We do have different relationships inside the circles. I call them circles. I would just love to hear more about boundaries. But when you said, we're going to go to boundaries for a minute, that just made me really excited. What else do I know about boundaries? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to know that no is a complete sentence? I feel like a lot of times we can get into our holes and our pits and our situations because we don't know boundaries. Sorry, this is going in a different direction. We don't have boundaries and we don't know how to draw lines and create circles. And so then we end up in this pit and we're like, how did I get here? I'm a hot Mm -hmm. mess. Don't you think in, you know, like in faith communities and we feel so much compassion and we're taught that across time to turn the other cheek and have compassion and all of that, that it's hard that people feel a lot of guilt when they have clear lines Mm -hmm. in their lives or maybe they never knew there was such a thing clear line because if you have lines and you draw boundaries suddenly or the some people don't like that they want to cross those lines and they feel offended if you put up a line and you say this is where i am and this is what i'll do and they don't like that but you have to be okay with them not being okay with your boundaries because because <laughs> they're important. <laughs> because this principle of boundaries is you and I and each of us are responsible for our own emotions. Mm-hmm. So when you were saying like they don't like it, then you would change possibly if that made you uncomfortable and it would make us uncomfortable because we have compassion and empathy. But you would want to change it to change their feelings, which their feelings are their responsibility and my feelings are my responsibility, our reactions and our choices that we make, you know, and how we react, all of that is our responsibility. Now, if you actually sin against me, such as this is easy to understand, punch me in the nose, don't do it, but (laughs) then you did something actually to me and actually did cross into my boundaries because my physical space, you hit me, you do have responsibility for that. You have responsibility to make that right. If I choose to hit you back, you still didn't make me do it. I chose it. Mm-hmm. I can choose to walk away. I can choose to go to ER. I can yep. choose to blow up your house, yep. burn it down. 
yep. punch you back, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things I could choose. And we really get, if you're talking about getting down into the pit that where it gets all miry, mm-hmm. I think we really struggle with what is mine to be responsible for and what's yours then in these things called community and relationships. Just yeah. like back to the beginning of this talk where you said, when I'm in that pit and someone comes for me and I said, well, we have to be a little careful because if my mindset is I'm staying here till someone comes for me, I'm actually giving some of my work over to mm-hmm. someone else and saying, I'm going to be sick unless you fix me. And there is a fine line. And I know it, I mean, like it's hard to sort this out in your head, but there's a fine line between waiting for someone to come fix me and us walking alongside and holding mm-hmm. each other up. There is a difference. Why do you think it's so hard sometimes to be vulnerable with people because really when you're asking people to be in that circle it's very vulnerable i think it's shame what's jesus say about shame i think if you go all the way back to the beginning you know of the whole biblical story and adam and eve hid out of shame and we just do the thing all the time and you can't get well and they couldn't even get well or forgiven or released Till God saw them, you know, like he said, come out. And when we sit in groups like AA or we sit together like this in a women's weekend or we sit together with our circle of friends or we go into the counseling room, we're really stepping out from behind the shame and we're bringing it into the room. And really in the hiding, you're not going to heal. In the darkness, you're not going to heal. In the shame inside, we do all these things to keep the shame inside. That's where we engage in lots of bad behaviors and addictive (laughs) behaviors and compounding behaviors. Mm -hmm. And we lie to ourselves and we lie to others when we're hiding to keep it there. And there is release and relief in bringing that stuff out into the light. And again, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, do it in front of 50 people per se, depending, but not in a confessional probably kind of way. But scriptures even talk about it in confessing your sins one to another. I like the one to another, (laughs) but (laughs) lots of unburdening happens and then accountability and reflection and all these things. We have these talking points. They're driving me nuts actually, but um, because it draws my attention away and I have a little ADD and this is when I'll like shoot off the back because I'll start to get fidgety. (laughs) But um, relationships, let's move to that being a reflection. So let's Mm -hmm. say we're coming into a relationship and now we're coming out of the shame and I'm going to get vulnerable with you. Let's pretend we're in the counseling office and I'm going to talk with you. Because it's where people will come. They'll pay money to do that, and I get it. Because mm-hmm. by law, I can't say a word. I like that. You know, we come in here. I tell all my clients, we're going to practice. We're just going to practice. This is what we're doing. We're practicing. Then you'll learn that it's safe and it's okay, and then you'll go out and create this relationship with someone else. Mm-hmm. Practicing, talking, and being vulnerable. So then I can reflect back things that they're not seeing or you and I as we are friends and we get close and we take the risk to be vulnerable we can reflect back like a mirror like we're the biggest liars to ourselves you guys know that right Mm -hmm. we're the biggest liars to ourselves and we actually convince ourselves when people are dealing with addiction issues family members and they're like if he loved me he would not be lying to me and I'm like I don't think it has anything to do with love addiction person is lying first to themselves after they fully convinced or they're trying to convince themselves now they're just trying to convince everyone else what they're trying to convince Mm. themselves so we can reflect back and this drives me nuts it's true though i don't like it for myself and you guys aren't gonna like this either but we're walking (laughs) billboards of what's really happening inside us 
so terrible. Like now that we know we're all trying to hide in shame and we're walking around like neon signs, it's really terrible. You know, if you watch someone long enough, you can see that they're hiding, they're being guarded. You can see if they're anxious. You can see that they're trying to convince themselves, you know, we just keep talking and we're diagnosing, you know, that little thing. This is true about us. We can see people's insecurities. This is all Signs great. on your forehead. Yeah, reflective neurons. I'm picking up all your stuff. Most of us are picking up each other's stuff. So I think that that being said, we might as well just dive in and like, okay, since people already know, maybe I should just get on this path and stop trying to hide and really just engage in trying to grow. Well, I feel like those are where personally I've seen the most revelation come when I'm having issues and I have someone saying, oh, no, no, my friend, this is what's really happening or are able to kind of look at the situation a little differently because my brain is trying to look at it one way that maybe, I don't know, I may have skewed that and it's so good I feel like when you get with that one other person or a couple other people who helps you correct, there's so much revelation. I just feel like mm-hmm. personally for my eyes to be open when someone's like, mm, that's not how that is. Or not what you're doing. The most fun thing, you know, is in couples counseling when they come in the office and I love that work and I let them just talk to each other a little bit and they're all like, you're doing that and this is what you do. Or they explain a story and then we pull back and we say, now let's look at how you guys are dancing together that you're doing this, like a dance together. It takes both of these parts to make this exact thing happen. This was a very bad moment for people usually. <gasps> Me? It's all his fault. Yeah, you mean I'm contributing into this dance. And we're talking about relationships, so we're dancing all the time. Every relational interaction is a dance. And so if we do something and there's a <laughs> reciprocating action, what do we see? The reciprocating action. What do we call out? The reciprocating action. I think something that's important to remember when we're talking about, you talk about the fault and if people are mature enough that you can go into a counselor and just let it all loose because they're professionals and they aren't going to share that. They have strict ethics. But when you're talking about who can I trust as a friend? I think it's there's wisdom in if you have a bucket of information is giving them a cup mm. and seeing how they handle that. And if that goes well, then you can give them another cup and you can give them another cup. It's not wise to meet someone that's not a professional and dump your whole bucket on them because that's too much for them and you haven't tested them to see if they're worthy of your what's in your bucket. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've heard, I was telling Jaden this this week, I don't know if the number's true, but you should have like 40 encounters with someone to become intimate and like not just in a dating marriage type of situation, but in friendships, you don't, you don't just have coffee with somebody and we're like, we're best bosom friends forever. <laughs> I mean, you might've had a great connection. There's some danger red flags. If someone just dumps everything on you or you're just like, give me everything for a healthy relationship. And I think, can you talk to us a little bit about red flags so we can recognize them in ourselves and also recognize them when we're dealing with other people about who's trustworthy with our hearts? I think you did a great job. I I call that in, in counseling consistency, consistent and over time. In building relationships, you need to see in character consistency over time. 
So it's exactly what you said. You already laid it out perfectly. That would be a red flag if outside of the counseling situation. And to be honest, in the counseling situation, it's also something. It's not a red flag, but nobody really comes in. I will say in rare exception, do people come in and say, here's all my dirt. They even want to build trust with me to see consistently over time, is this okay? Are you going to respond okay? Is there unconditional positive regard. They don't even do it there. It's months and sometimes years, depending what's packed in there. And so if, you, if you're if you trying to be the good friend, you're being consistent over time with being the vault, that I can come to you, that we're reciprocal. I keep calling it the energy that I put into the relationship, you put into the relationship. Where's Monica? Because she loves us. You know the twos are going to give way too much energy to a relationship. So... <laughs> I'm that person, the two, so I've learned, though, how to match other people's energy. This works for me. This is how I did it, Monica. I don't know if it's a thing. I just match their energy, and that way I don't get ahead of myself. So (laughs) whatever you bring, I'll bring. I can do that. And so then I don't start out giving people and Mm -hmm. then start to resent and have all the things that go on with being a two. Feeling Mm -hmm. like a martyr. Yeah, that. What else do you want to know in red flags? I mean, for us women, it's huge about can you reciprocate? Can we be on kind of equal energy? Is somebody saying something and then it's getting out into the whole community, into the whole church? Do you come in and find that out? Is it your story to tell and you're telling the story? If you find for your own self a red flag that you're telling other people's story, you have a a thing going on inside your character. We all kind of have it. As females, it's something you got to watch. It's just something about that so enticing just to tell someone else's story, but it's not your story to tell. Unless I say, you may tell my story. Back to boundaries. So if I would see that in Jaden, you know, it's okay. I don't have to love you less. I just won't tell you. I'm going to match. Like, I'm just not going to tell you things that I don't want the whole upper room to know. And then we'll be friendly. I just won't tell you. I can't (laughs) expect to get something different from you than what you show me consistently over time that you can do. If you begin to change consistently over time, I'll see that. And I can adjust myself then to that. Yeah. And there there are relationships where it's not even. So sometimes when we're talking about being in a mentoring relationship. Then you're in a different circle. The mentor mm-hmm. is pouring out into the mentee and it's not equal. And there's a time and a place for that. That is a thing or a coach. But when we're talking about. I think we this, were talking about the inner you know, circle. Yeah. We're talking about it's not you constantly giving. It's a give and take. And. You can speak into their lives and they can speak into your lives and you've given them permission. Like, hey, if you see something in me, go ahead and call it out. And just because you give someone permission, when you give it to them, they don't necessarily like it. No, we don't like Um, it. We'll be like, I don't want this smacked out. But we submit. That's (laughs) the thing is you submit to it. That's what we're talking about being on a healthy growth process is I submit to bringing my trash to you. I don't like it. I don't even want it, mm-hmm. but I want to be healthy and I right. want to be well, so I will. Hey, back to red flags on in that circle of mentorship and giving out. The red flag on that would be as if you and I were in a mentee relationship. I'm your mentor, but I showed up on your door for you to do something for me. Like mm-hmm. I had a catastrophe happen and I'm like, Beth, you're the only person I could call. Red flag. Which I know that everybody's going like, ah. I don't know what to do with that because we're nice people and we're from the church and we have empathy. There's something very unhealthy about that. 
if we know this power differential, you know, if we know, I, I think it would be clearer for you guys if I was your counselor and I showed up on your door, this would make more sense to you. And I said, I need you to help me. I think Red it makes more sense. We have a problem. <laughs> I'll just connect that to this note. That inner circle is a relationship of accountability. When you're saying it's reciprocal, you're mm. giving, I'm giving, you're calling things out in me, I'm calling things out in you. Accountability begins. And I don't think that's all, I don't think that's where all relationships start. But I just feel like they would they shouldn't. No, but the good ones, I feel like those ones where you're like they're in the committee, mm-hmm. there's something that shifts in a relationship where it becomes one that's countable. I'll give you a red flag. Do I like this as we talk, they come to me. Okay. If you meet someone and then they are calling out all your stuff before mm. they've earned the right to speak into your life. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> because that's control. Why are they speaking into my life before we've earned well, and sometimes when we talk about that mentor-mentee, the mentor should never be working harder than the mentee. It should be the, the mentee should be pursuing the mentor and asking and wanting information or wanting feedback. They need to want it. Mm-hmm. And we need to show restraint. And unless they're actively seeking it and they've given us permission and they're going to do something with it, then kind of like don't cast your pearls before the swines. If you're giving all your energy and all of your wisdom to someone who just throws it away or tramples on it, that's not healthy either. Yes, and it's kind of like back again to the beginning of the conversation is asking yourself whose responsibility is this right now? I mean, in that situation, it's both, but to what level? If I choose, if you're coming to scrape me out of the bottom of the barrel, but I choose to stay there, Whose responsibility? Don't I get to choose that? Mm -hmm. I do get to choose that. How does healthy relationships help the healing process when we've gone through a trauma or a tragedy? And this is huge, huge in healing and back again to shame is sitting in relationship of unconditional love and acceptance is one of the things. When you're coming into something with all that shame, something's happened to you. No matter what, you're going to have shame. It doesn't matter what the thing is that's happened. It'll produce that feeling in you. And so sitting across and telling that story as much as it needs to be told and having it contained is part of the healing journey. It's part of the counseling journey. It's part of the storytelling journey. It's part of how we go through and move through to acceptance. It's getting that love. So in shame, you're not feeling necessarily loved or good or valuable. Mm-hmm. And when I get that in you, mm-hmm. when I'm telling my story and you're looking at me or when you shed tears and you have empathy for me, I'm getting stuff from the outside that I need inside. It even moves into you know the accountability and stuff that we're talking about. If my healing is, I'm going to say in healing, we can just get really reactive. Life things can happen to us and we can spiral in our mm-hmm. behavior being in relationship and in part of my healing journey, you know, sitting in accountability like we were talking about, knowing that I'm going to submit myself to my group, knowing that you're going to reflect back to me, knowing that I can come to you with my mess ups, with my failures. Doesn't that just feel healing right there? Like Mm -hmm. if I really screw something up that I know you're not going to throw me away. Yep. That's because I've tested you consistently over time. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how to deal with those relationships in our lives where we don't necessarily have a choice 
It could be you're in a class and it's the teacher or you're on a team and it's the coach or you work someplace and it's the boss or you're in a family and it's the father or the mother or the, you know, when you have to interact with these people, but it's hard. Just what are some tips of protecting yourself, but you know, we can't just run away from everyone we don't like, right? We all have grace growers in our lives. And my mom taught me this, like, if you don't like your current grace grower, the next one's going to be worse. So you might as well just stay and face it. And (laughs) I'm telling Jaden this too, like, they're a grace grower. You better better be thankful for this one because the next one's going to be worse. You know, we all have grace growers in our lives where, I mean, I guess you could quit your job and get another one, but sometimes that's not very... Um, Yeah, there's so I mean, this is really way out into a whole other category, but that's okay. But there's just so many different things because these people that you're talking about are in this outside circle that we said. So they're, they're not our mentees or our ministry and they're not our inner circle friends. They're way out here. They're in the world. We live with them. So if you think about it, they really, even by virtue of where they're at in the circle, have less impact on us. The closer someone is inside our inner circle, the bigger the impact they have and the smaller the thing they do mm-hmm. that impacts us. So oh, that's good. the coping skills for this whole thing is different. And yeah. the way you think about this is different. It, it's almost like a you can get yourself to a point like, does this really matter? Mm-hmm. Is what they're saying effective? You know, And you can begin to look at, I mean, does that have to matter to me? So don't give your power away. I say this all the time to my kids, right, Jaden? I'm like, grab that power back. If you envision your power just going bring, 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 bring out there, you know, when people that shouldn't have that much impact on you and you're getting riled up about stuff, I say, take it back. And then what happens when you're a mother and you've taught your kids this really well, they call it out in you. Mom, you're giving your power away. I'm like, oh, Which is accountability. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or reflection. Yeah. (laughs) And and really, that is learning how to cope with different things. We're talking about that. That's cognitive strategies. There's all kinds of things you can do. Mm -hmm. And there are times when boundary up in a different way, depending how someone's speaking to you and depending what their relationship is or what they're doing with you, you, you guys will probably all love this to say, like, we might have to have a confrontation And I don't mean a confrontation, but I'm just saying nobody likes it. So to say, hey, I want to have a talk is a confrontation. Or to say, hey, I want to hear what you have to say to me when I come in the office on Monday morning. But when you come in like that and your hair is all kind of on fire and you're screaming at me and calling me names, I can't hear what you're saying. That's confrontation. And people are afraid of it because they might be like, well, what if they get madder? I don't know. What if they do get madder? If we're not responsible for their feelings, I guess it doesn't really matter. If we're not sinning against them, it doesn't really matter what res- what feelings they have <clears throat> if they're not matching. Now, they could just as easily be like, you're right, Mel, you're right. Let me calm down, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about what's bothering me. Now, they wouldn't be these people you're describing mm-hmm. if they do that, but there's just so many other coping skills. With a coach situation, they're just yelling and screaming and being crazy, and you know that's how that coach is. I mean, obviously, you have the choices of don't play for that coach, which that's kind of hard when that's your school. So I would probably be working with someone on how to like armor up, like become glass and just let that bounce off you because this is how they talk. Look around. They talk like this to everybody. This is three months of your life. Next year, it's not going to matter. If you die, it's not going to matter. If you move on to college, it's not going to matter. If they're the one that looks crazy, you don't look crazy. You know, all the stuff that you're essentially doing is saying, you don't have to respond to that. You don't even actually have to hear it. You can let it kind of, you can see 
It's not you. Probably what the problem is in this is how it triggers us. Because for one person, it'll trigger them. For another, this will be very easy. So it usually has like more to do with what goes on inside of you and how that affects you, what it steps on. Because you could see just in my talking about that, I'm like, that probably wouldn't even be a problem. I'd be like, whatever. <laughs> but I think it wouldn't bother you because you like to uh, have the approval and like make sure I'm doing it all right and stuff. And I'm like, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we don't normally have the opportunity to have a live audience. So I did tell Jaden we would take a couple of questions for Mel if we have any questions from the audience about healthy relationships and how it helps us thrive. Do we have any? Okay, come on up and ask in the microphone. We're recording, you have to come up. So you said that relationships don't start with like pouring everything out. Telling everything at all at once. Everything, so what, everything. Yes. yes. So what does it start with? Like, how do you build that up? That's such a great question. Could you Thanks, Jaden. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all relationships actually start with, I see you with my eyes and I notice you over there. You know, like that's where it really, really starts. But let's get a little faster over into this process. And you would meet, you know how when you meet for coffee and you do chit chat yep. and you can begin to, to gauge, honestly, this is all happening. You guys just never sat back and thought about it, but you're already gauging reciprocity and are we clicking? So are we having things in common that we like to talk about? And is this conversation going back and forth? So we don't recommend a 10-course meal with someone that you're not, haven't tested, because that could be a really long meal. So coffee coffee is good. And you can either drink it really fast, or you can sip it, depending on how, how it's going. <laughs> but Jaden, go. it's these things that are, um, if you go from level one, you like very surfacey stuff that you would tell anyone in this group, you could stand right up here and say on down to things that you would struggle even telling your best friend or your mother. Actually, I think best friends would actually be deeper than mothers. That's just the way it goes. So it's like level one through five into the deepest stuff. And most people, even in couples counseling, most people communicate at like level one and two, even in their marriages. They're, they stay in shame and lack of vulnerability. How many levels are there? Five. I like the number five. Great. So we'll have five today. <laughs> just today. <laughs> Level five. Today. Some Fair of enough. you know. Some, some of you have heard that, five. right? Level five. Oh, yeah. I know that that's what you've talked about a lot. I just didn't know. Do you guys know, know the... what a level five statement might be? Please. You want to try one? Just make one up? Level five statement. I mean, I, would, well, I wouldn't make it about yourself I'm since not. there's 50 nope. strangers. <laughs> yeah, let's you not do that. make it up. No. Bearing soul type sentence. I got one. I've realized that I am feeling shame about the way I raised my twin daughters and that it has impacted them negatively. I'm not talking about myself. That was an example. Mm -hmm. Because I blah, 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 blah. That's getting there. That was a four. It was in the range. How about something like... I wanted to murder my... Husband. No, that's even like a level two or three. Oh, geez. A level five on that would be, Mel, after I had an affair with yeah. the neighbor, I killed him and I buried him in the backyard. You're still going to be my friend? See, <laughs> like level five. Red flag. But we... <laughs> Something more realistic might be this. After Beth, this is not true of me. Or even any of my clients. Or me, if I'm involved. Right. There's nobody in this room. But it would go like this. 
Beth, hey, after we have those women's meetings when we get together, really honestly all day, I feel super anxious and I'm like wondering, do I fit in? Do I fit in? I don't know if I fit in. And are they looking at me? And then when I go home, I binge and then I purge. And it happens every time I'm with a group of women. I feel so anxious. That's a level five. You want to know what a level five, like in a couple's session would be? Sure. I'd have to think of it. Okay. <laughs> like a guy coming to his wife and saying, which by the way, guys don't do this, but the secretary at my work, that perfume she wears drives me nuts all day long. And sometimes at night when I'm at home in the evening, then it's in my brain and I'm just thinking about it and I'm thinking about her and I'm thinking about how that smells. Now, honestly, he didn't even sin or do anything wrong in that, but he would have so much shame that he would never want to tell his wife. But the safest thing in the world he could do is have a conversation like that with his wife. So those are level five. You see how we don't really operate in five. Right. Terribly scary. Mm -hmm. What's the risk? Everything. 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 But yet yet God has called us to be in relationship with people and to have trustworthy people in our lives to be able to share level five information. (laughs) And we need to be trustworthy people to be able to receive, not just give level five, but to receive it from other people. And that's that's the beauty of what God intended. Like you said at the beginning, as we wrap up, Henry Cloud said, oh, I just want the fairy wand and boring, everything's fine. Plan B is the people and the relationships. So, well, Mel, we really appreciate your time and your expertise. And I look forward to having more of these shine spinoffs with Mel. What are we going to call it? We'll be hearing more from her, but we thanks for coming. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye.